Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us. We are glad. Now I have a question for you. Now that I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad you're glad, not sad. I'm going from glad to asking you a question. I was going to ask you several, and I decided, no, I'm just going to ask you one. And by the way, I already know the answer to it. (laughs) Because we've been married for so so long. So you have to tell the truth. (laughs) Okay, I will. (laughs) Have you ever been anxious when you couldn't find your phone? Well, yes, you know that is true. (laughs) But I'm going to describe that not as so much anxiety. I feel vulnerable. I just feel very vulnerable, like something could happen out of my control, and I I wouldn't have any way to let anybody know that I wasn't safe. So maybe that's anxiety, but it feels just very vulnerable not to have my phone. Which is really kind of interesting and somewhat strange, perhaps, since we didn't grow up with cell phones. Uh, If you had a flat tire, you just had to change it. Mm -hmm. If you got lost on a road, you had to read a paper map. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Remember those? Yes. (laughs) So for years, we were not dependent on our phones like we are today because, well, we just didn't have them. I know. That is really interesting. We've been conditioned. So every time we hear that ding or, you know, something's coming in, Mm -hmm. that notification sound, we feel like we have to look, right? We're conditioned to look now after all these uh, years of having a phone. And so it's hard not to look at it. My brain has clearly been conditioned, like I said, to hear that sound and to look at my phone. So if you're going on any device at any moment, anytime that you're bored and you think, oh, I'm constantly on my devices. I have to have something in my hand. I have to be scrolling, checking my Instagram account, whatever it is you're doing, you could be somewhat, I'm going to use this term lightly, addicted to that device. Hmm. Or when you don't have your phone or your device and you want to, you feel like you're craving that you need to scroll through your social media, that also might be a problem, Norm. In fact, Dr. Anna Lebke, I think that's how she says her name, Lemke, how would you say that? Lemke, Lemke I think so, from uh, the Dual Diagnosis Unit at Stanford University School of Medicine. She's the author of a really interesting book called Dopamine Nation. Oh, And uh, she calls the smartphone, are you ready for this? Yes. The modern day hypodermic needle. No, it doesn't hurt. (laughs) Some people people are afraid of shots. (laughs) That's right. In other ways, she's going to tell us it hurts. Well, actually, that's very cool. It was a New York Times bestseller, her book. And the subtitle was Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. Well, you always talk to our kids about balance. Oh, all the time. So finding balance is probably a good good subtitle. And it really does make the point because anything really can become an idol and somewhat addictive. Mm-hmm. And again, we're using mm-hmm. that term lightly. In her book, though, she is talking about the relentless search for pleasure 
And she says that eventually it leads to pain. Oh, we got to talk about that. Hmm. So does that like binging on a Netflix series or needing to hear a podcast in your ear whenever you're out working or working out? You know, we've binged on a few television series no, in our lifetimes. No, don't admit that. <laughs> Thank you, COVID. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's when it started for us, it honestly, was. right? I wonder how many more people started binging on television during COVID. Billions. Because we had we didn't have a lot to do. So, um, and all a binge is, if we if we break it down, what they're considering a binge when they're talking about research is whether you've watched two or more episodes of the series at one time. That doesn't sound like a binge. <laughs> but that's how they define it in the literature. <laughs> so I did a study on, on binge viewing a few years ago. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were looking at, does binge watching function like a drug? Your brain craves more and more. And as long as you continue to binge, your brain does produce a neurochemical called dopamine. We all know what that is. It's the feel-good chemical, right? And it's like becoming a dopamine junkie. Okay, wait a minute. How does dopamine make us want to watch TV? Well, so dopamine is that neurochemical related to the brain's reward system and feeling good. It's uh, released in the brain when you consume media like TikTok, podcasts, Netflix, and other media. So while it's not the same intensity as addictive drugs, this release of the reward system activates that dopamine pathway Um, in that system. So the reward pathway gets activated just like it would with some type of drug that you would take. Or when you're eating something delicious, or when you crave a cigarette and you have that cigarette, Mm. the reward path gets activated. So no wonder, Norm, 73% of people surveyed by Netflix reported they have positive feelings when they binge watch. Sure. Well, it feels good. I get that. Right. Okay. It's releasing that do- dopamine, though. That's mm-hmm. the part that we want people to start to focus on. I read a survey from 2019, so pre-COVID, yeah. from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, that the average American was then watching almost three hours of TV a day or about 20 hours a week. I'm pretty sure that's gone up. Yeah, I think that seems really low. That seems really low to me. And much of that time in that survey was spent binge watching. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's higher numbers, but um, it's something that we really need to focus on. Are we spending a lot of our time binging media? Researchers have linked binge watching to lower sleep quality, Hmm. unhealthy eating, and even antisocial behavior and poor work performance. Good grief. Why do we do it then? So entertainment has always offered a way of escape from the pressures of daily life. I think you and I would definitely agree with that, right? Right. Binge watching is just one of those escapes. Mm But cultural anthropologist Grant McCracken sees a correlation norm between the rise in binge viewing habits and our desire to escape a never-ending sea of bite-sized social media posts and YouTube videos. So he sees a correlation, an association between those two things. And I would imagine it varies by age because younger people are going to watch the quick stuff on TikTok and Instagram and that sort of thing. McCracken says getting immersed in multiple episodes or even multiple seasons of a show over a few weeks is a new kind of escapism that is especially welcome today. Yeah, but it is even more than that. It makes us feel good at the moment because of that dopamine relief. It's not the show that we're craving. Hmm. Instead, it's the feeling of pleasure we get from watching episode after episode. So you experience this sort of pseudo-addiction to the for, to the show because you develop cravings for that dopamine. Your body does not discriminate against pleasure. 
it can become addicted to any activity or substance that constantly produces that neurochemical. I think for us, it's kind of like a sense of completion. Okay, we watched that one, got it. Now let's watch the next one. But there's pleasure that's happening in your brain. I guess that's what we're saying. When you're doing that, it's like you're anticipating it. It feels good. You want more of it. That's how it feels a little bit more like a drug. And that's when it becomes a problem when you prioritize that Mm -hmm. over other activities. Yeah, and when you... When you take something in over and over, an addictive drug, for example, and so you're watching and you're watching and you're watching, your brain produces actually less dopamine from the same level of activity, which means that you build this kind of tolerance like you would with a drug. So it takes more and more of that same activity to give you that same feeling of enjoyment, making binge watching TV shows that much harder to stop. In fact, we know people who feel a sense of loss or grief over a series ending. Well, you and our daughter. Yeah, well, now listen, researchers have a name for this. It's called post-binge malaise. (laughs) Because that's, it's so, this feeling of emptiness, and and it can even bring up a little bit of feeling of depression in some people as a a result. So let's go back to the research. I find it interesting that watching a TV episode weekly is actually more enjoyable and more memorable than binge-watching the same series. That's kind of interesting to me. One reason they gave for that was when you binge-watch, you don't remember the details as well. How could that be? Yeah, that kind of makes sense on the remembering part, but I was surprised by the delay part of this. It makes me wonder if, you know, the rise of stress and anxiety after the pandemic began if just people were just wanting to do it more because they were so conditioned and used to doing that as a way of escape. Mm-hmm. Well, this brings up our topic. Do we need a dopamine detox? Are our habits unhealthy? Well, certainly if binge watching interferes with your physical or your psychological health, you should consider taking a break or cutting mm-hmm. back or doing something to maybe turn your attention in other ways. You know, maybe turn off autoplay, set a limit of your viewing, Um, If you're a high social media user and struggling with your mood, maybe you do need a detox. Okay, what what does that mean? What's a dopamine detox? So the idea behind that is that you're trying to not engage in that behavior over and over, and you're trying to take a time out from that behavior so that your brain has a chance to sort of rebalance and go back to recalibrate would be Mm -hmm. a good word for that and get it back to where it needs to be. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about behavioral addictions compared to dopamine. So clinically, there's only one behavioral addiction that really makes uh, the DSM-5. So that only one is gambling. But there are all these other behaviors that are on a spectrum of addiction, and they act very much the same. They're currently being studied. So it's not quite as simple as saying you're addicted or not. It, It becomes a clinical concern when it interferes with your daily life and you have distress over it. So that's kind of more of a gray area, right? Mm -hmm. When you feel like the time I'm spending on my phone may, in some subtle ways, affect my ability to be a good parent or a spouse or friend. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Lumke in her book has uh, all these stories about patients who have had different types of sex addictions, a teenager who couldn't get out of bed unless she was high on cannabis, or another patient who bought thousands of cheap consumer goods online just to experience the thrill of opening those packages. Wow. Speaking of the excitement of it all, we're going to have to take a break. Sorry. But we have some ideas to help and want to connect you to your spiritual life as we do a dopamine detox here on the Dr. Lindemental Show. 
And this is Dr. James Cribbs, pain physician and co-author of Living Beyond Pain. Psalm 13, 1 and 2 is often the cry of the person in pain. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? The psalmist concludes that he is not forgotten and that his suffering matters to God. God will sustain him and God will sustain you. Okay, let's be honest. There are times when we eat just because life is tense, or the kids are driving you crazy, or we feel anxious or insecure about a relationship with a friend or a spouse, right? Food might just be too available, or I can't help myself, or it feels so good to dive into the ice cream sundae. We have a million excuses, but the truth is, sometimes we just eat out of emotion, not need. You know, it happens to all of us. So how do we fix the problem? Well, here's a quick prescription, and it begins with press pause. If you follow this simple plan, you can say goodbye to mindless eating and hello to the joys of eating. When you press pause, you slow down and begin to listen to your body. Am I truly hungry? What's going on around me that makes me want to put something in my mouth? So here's how to pause. We're going to spell it out. The P stands for purpose, purpose to delay immediate gratification. Then the A stands for attend, attend to the moment, but also be mindful of the future and how your immediate decision might be the one you regret later. Next is the U, understand that your good intentions and even your willpower don't win the impulsive eating battle. You need a healthy dose of God help. Then the S, strategize, find ways to incorporate God's help You invite the Holy Spirit to work within you, and you'll discover His strength to improve your self-control. And then finally, the E, execute those changes. So to eat without emotion, press pause before you eat. Hey, welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Before we get back to our conversation, I want to remind you to check out her website, drlindamental.com. That's where you'll find her blogs, her books, and you can connect with her on social media. An easy way to know what she's writing about every day is to follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Linda Mental or on Facebook at Dr. Linda Mental Author and Speaker. So let's get back to learning more about dopamine and how we could maybe get detoxed from this thing. Yeah, and if you're if you're thinking there's a lot of information in the show, go to the blog because yeah. I do explain this in the blog and that will really help you if you want to understand better. But here's the thing, Norm. Dopamine motivates us to do things that bring pleasure. Hmm. So it's the easiest mm-hmm. way to think about what it does. It's what tells us, for example, oh, I'm really hungry and ooh, I see that chocolate cake, I'd really like to order that. And the higher the dopamine release, the more addicting a thing is. So the more that that brings pleasure to you. Mm -hmm. The more you want it. The more you want it. Right. And sometimes we experience that by just anticipating doing things. 
Then when we do that, we want to continue. We want to do it. We, mm-hmm. we anticipate it. We do it. It feels good. We want to do it again. And sometimes we feel like when we stop, there's this letdown associated with it. And this is because, again, we mentioned this before, the brain's trying to regulate itself. So you have this normal sort of rise and letdown. If you're not addictive, what would happen with the chocolate cake is you would go, okay, I really want it, but it's okay if I don't have it. It goes away. You don't think about it then after that. But that would change if you kept eating chocolate cake. Yeah, and if you start to get addicted to something, you want it more and more and more, then you keep craving it, and the feeling doesn't go away so easily. Mm-hmm. So our brain is compensating somehow? It is, and it's it's reducing that dopamine. If you keep doing it over and over and over, this is a tolerance that we're talking mm, about with addiction. Got it. That's why when people use drugs over and over and over, eventually they don't get the same effect because of what's going on in the brain, and they need more and more to just bring that sense of of you know excitement into their life and that's why people sometimes become dependent so in true drug use Mm -hmm. um, you move from using something to compulsively using it and you don't feel like you can stop and you crave it so in the digital world where we can binge on a large scale there are practically no limitations that make us want to press pause yeah think about that you have complete access and could do it 24 7 if you wanted to and um, but you know with drugs you, you usually stop you run out of money you don't have access <laughs> right away it costs a lot to get it you have to go get it so even then and we're not equating this this feeling of pleasure exactly with drug use I want to make sure people understand that um, the substances that you put into your body make a big difference and this is just a pleasurable feeling that you get but because of this continuous access that you have with it and the fact that a lot of people use it to escape for their from their life and to just you know kind of check out you can have this addictive quality you can feel a lot like that Well, before the break, I promised we'd talk about a detox. Tell us, how do we do that? Yeah, so that involves just identifying behaviors that you turn to too frequently for a quick boost. Mainly things like social media, maybe video gaming, watching too much television. Mm -hmm. Then take a break from them for a few days to a week. And even a, a temporary break can really teach you a lot. I mean, it can help you figure out, do I always need to be reacting to external stimuli? Does it mean that I'm not giving my brain a chance to really have different types of thought to quiet down? She even talks in the book a little bit about this may be one of the reasons why people aren't so creative, because they're constantly just responding Mm -hmm. to all Mm -hmm. this external stimuli that's coming into it. And we don't, we don't sit quiet, we don't let spontaneous thoughts come, and we're not creative as a result of that. Fascinating. Time Magazine did an article on this topic, and they began with this question. Are you bored by being alone with your thoughts? Yeah, so that right there with your thoughts, so that idea of escapism and needing to recalibrate your brain's uh, reward pathways by taking a temporary break, that's a good idea because of that. But, you know, if you are doing this, one of the things it does allow you is when you don't always, you know, you're not always scrolling and on social media, it gives you time to self-reflect. And you have to think about, how am I spending my time What's important to me? Am I trying to escape, you know, just feeling mm-hmm. whatever comes up or just dealing with life? And here's a really great question. Can you get those good feelings other ways? Well, I've heard you say that dopamine is just one neurochemical that contributes to our happiness. 
So this idea that a detox can rewire our brain seems a bit naive. Yeah, that's exactly right. The brain is much more complete and complex. But any reward stimulus like candy, your favorite song, a like on a post can give you a little bit of that dopamine to make you feel good. So it does activate that reward pathway. Are you prescribing that we should stop the behavior like watching TV or playing games or shopping just entirely break it? To break the habit? Yeah, for a detox, I w- that's, what, that's what we're saying. It's more like, again, recalibrating your brain um, and giving your brain time to rest from those things, not constantly being attached to the device. Hmm, okay. I've heard that some people even get this dopamine hit from reading romance novels. Don't laugh. That's a no, thing. Really? No, don't okay. laugh. That's a thing. I guess that activates the reward highway, yes. too, and then you can't get enough. It's kind. Of, I guess maybe that's where the term page-turner came from. Yeah, I don't know, but this is a real thing about romance novel reading. It's huh. stimulating. It arouses. It activates that pathway. And do you know people? I know people who read one after the other. They're just constantly reading these romance mm-hmm. novels. Mm-hmm. Are there ways to produce dopamine naturally in our body? You know, there are. Just eating foods that are high in protein, exercise is a really good way to do that. Hmm. And getting good sleep. So when dopamine is produced in large amounts, you do feel pleasure. You want more and you want to repeat that behavior. So the more natural things that you could do to bring that, you know, into relationships would be better. Okay. So the old journalist in me, maybe the cynic, has to ask you a question that's been bugging me. Okay. Who cares? Right? (laughs) I mean, why should we even be concerned about momentarily escaping our crazy busy world with a few hours on the phone or in front of a TV? Who cares? Well, <laughs> I care, first of all. Oh, okay, That's why we're good. talking about this, <laughs> right? <laughs> because, Norm, for a lot of people, it's not just a few moments. Mm-hmm. So I think if we, what if we just added up all the time we spent on television or all the time we spent on social media? And we're not even yet beginning to talk about spending time with God and the things that we would do that might be edifying to our mm. spirit or bring us up. And a lot of that stuff is not very edifying to the spirit, right? Mm. So in some ways, it becomes a waste of time. And as I mentioned before, we're not engaging in creativity. We're not reflecting on our life, stopping, pausing, communing with God. And there's a whole bunch of research that shows connection between social media use and depression and anxiety. And I know we're not talking about that today, but there is a lot of research in that area. Well, and earlier on in this program, you used the word idol or idolatry. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that's when something takes the place of. Yeah, it right? becomes more important than God, right. right? Anything can be do that. So all we're saying is, why don't you just try 24 hours and fast from all things social media or whatever you turn to for a quick pleasure. It might be romance novels for some people listening. <laughs> it might be shopping, online right, shopping. Right. It could be gaming. Right. I know a lot of men who are very much, I think, addicted to gaming. Sure. Or begin just, or begin begin by just cutting back your use. The idea is to take a break for a day or a week, and then just recalibrate that brain. Okay. So I, I we've seen movies and pictures and TV shows about people detoxing from alcohol or drugs. What are we going to feel like when we're detoxing from these things? You know, sometimes there's a little anxiety. At the Hmm. beginning, and then there's something that a lot of people know as FOMO, the fear of missing out, right? Right. For those first couple of hours, maybe the first 12 hours. But after that, usually what people report trying this is a real sense of freedom 
and a resolve that, hey, I don't need to be doing this 24-7. However, if you want to get real change going, it's going to take much more work. So a detox can actually help you reflect on how you're spending your time and where you're giving your attention. And you certainly can be more aware of the things that you're turning to. But ultimately, this is a habit that you might want to work on breaking. And that this, takes practice. This, science, this, this is reminding me of what we do at Lent when we give something yeah, up. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. yeah, that is true. And we know that real change in Lent or any other time involves examining if seeking pleasure has become an idol. Mm-hmm. Anything we've put above God. Are we chasing pleasure or are we chasing God? How much time does it take away from prayer and meditating on the Word and spending time with God? Those are hard questions. Yeah, and our brain does need some time to rest and relax. So, you know, if you're really struggling with this and you think, oh, this is kind of silly in a way, just try it for 24 hours and see what happens in your brain. Are you immersing yourself in the Word and are you renewing your mind daily with His thoughts? Have you trained your brain to think on the things that matter most in life and will have eternal significance? Serving, spending time with other people, Bible study, building community, sharing the good news of the gospel that transforms life. That's a lot I've just given you in that list. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's time to tune into the things that matter the most and detox from those that do not. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes the show a conversation, and our technical producer, Katie Sims, from all of us here at Faith Radio. Hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.